Well, the stunner of the day comes from the New York Jets. This is something that had been percolating Chris Sims. We had talked about it previously. It had been poo-pooed by the likes of Jets head coach Adam Gase. But now general manager Mike McCagnan is out. That's his reward for participating in the hiring of Gase, for presiding over a free agency period that saw the likes of Le'Veon Bell join the team, and presiding over a draft that resulted in the landing of Quinnen Williams at number three overall. But this had been coming, whatever the reasons, and ultimately the reasons are best interest of the team. Christopher Johnson, the chairman and CEO, decided to make the move. I'm not surprised because we knew it was coming. I'm surprised it took this long after the draft. Yeah, I, I, I think me too. I mean, yes, I know you put it on my radar. There was a bunch of other people that I had talked to around the NFL that thought this was a very real possibility uh, that it could happen, you know, right immediately after the draft, all of that. Uh, I don't know what the reason is for waiting. Maybe they just didn't like the overall opti- optics of it, uh, whatever may be. But yeah, obviously there was some sort of dis- disconnect content or happy unhappiness about what McCagnan was doing uh, with the New York Jets within the organization. And I and hey, you and I both know there was definitely frustration from the Jets fans about McCagnan and his building of the team over the last few years. Yeah, and, and I think that that frustration came to a head with the the decision to pay Le'Veon Bell what they paid him. It's not that they signed him. It's that they paid him what they paid him. And, you know, as that was all going down and there was phony interest that was being put out there on the part of the Baltimore Ravens, the Jets really did overpay Le'Veon Bell. And you pay him to the point where you have to make him your workhorse now. You can't make him part of a two- or three-man rotation. Kind of ties the head coach's hands forces him to justify the acquisition. And I suspect Gase was pushing back against the offers that were being made, maybe wanting instead to go with a guy like a Tevin Coleman who would have been a lot cheaper. But Gase lost that battle, ultimately may have helped him win the war. And it could be Bell staying away from offseason workouts is the thing that pushed it in Gase's favor because it gave it gave Gase the opportunity to say, see, guys, I told you so. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I don't doubt anything you said there, certainly. I mean, you, you make some good points. I think there's a, a few moments that I look at over the year that have kind of, over the years, I should say, that have kind of set this up for you make the Le'Veon Bell point. I think that's spot on. I mean, from everything we know and I know and the teams that I know that were involved in the there was no market for Le'Veon Bell. There was none. The market was literally Le'Veon Bell's agent calling around the teams going, hey, you can sign Le'Veon Bell for this this price because nobody was bidding high numbers or what they wanted. And then teams got involved and were like, well, we can get him for $8 million a year? Well, well, okay, well, let's think about this. We'll call you back. We'll let you know. Ultimately, the Jets paid uh, more money than anybody else I think was willing to offer. So that's not a good look for the GM, right? And then Anthony Barr skips town. That kind of doesn't look good on the GM. Looks like they overpaid Tremaine Johnson in free agency uh, from two years ago. He didn't get off to a very good start. There was talk about being a, a trade for Khalil Mack. That never came to fruition. So I look at those moves. That all adds to the piling on of a Mike McCagnan that really began with drafting horrible picks like uh, Christian Hackenberg in the second round when he had no business being drafted in the first five rounds, six rounds maybe. I feel like that's where it began. Also with Bryce Petty not being able to find that quarterback. It seems to be a theme, Mike, in New York that the Jets fans felt like he only made good picks when guys just fell to him, like Leonard Williams or Jamal Adams or even this year, Quinnen Williams at three. Uh, I don't think everybody was a fan of some of his team building from there on out. There's another angle to this that I think is very important, and it is 
how long was this building? Was this something Christopher right. Johnson thought about doing after the 2018 season but decided only to fire Coach Todd Bowles for now? Or was he intent on keeping McCagnan until Adam Gase gets in the building and maybe starts pointing some things out? You know, the power struggle that often arises when a new coach wins games and has success and flexes his muscle. Gase flexing muscle before he even has any muscle, right? He hasn't done anything with the Jets yet, and he was able to build a case if that's how it went down to result in Christopher Johnson making the change and look if it's the former if this was something that he planned to do all along my reaction is you just should have done it then just get rid of everybody and start from scratch get a new GM get a new head coach if it's the latter it shows that Gase is able to make a pretty compelling case behind closed doors for Christopher Johnson to do what Gase wanted him to do, which is tell McCagden to get on down the road. And now Gase is the interim GM. They're going to hire a new GM. But here's the question. Will the new GM have the power McCagden had or will the new GM be setting the table for Adam Gase? Yeah, well, I, I would. Ex- I mean, Adam Gase, of course, had full authority over the Miami Dolphins roster. That did not exactly go perfect. Now, so I would hope, and, and at least my perfect world, because I'm an Adam Gase fan, that they bring in a GM, of course, that he has some sort of a relationship with or a working relationship or someone that he respects so they can get on the same page and then work cohesively together to build the correct football team. You know, I don't know where it all went dysfunctional with Mike McCagnin to make your to, to answer your question that is really interesting I do think like Adam Gase or maybe somebody in the Jets organization have been talking to ownership and pointed out some flaws within the roster and things that Mike McCagan had done over the years so I certainly think there's there was issues there altogether uh, but you know I think the big reason why we didn't see a change immediately or whatever it is is just because hey the Jets had a lot of money had a lot of money to spend in free agency I think they knew it was a big year so then they let McCagan I guess stay on because they felt like, gosh, a lot of the heavy lifting was done at this point, and they had a game plan for what they wanted to do for the agency. And then you get too deep into the draft process where teams don't want to start over with a new staff in the front office and scouting and everything like that and feel like they're behind or not prepared in the draft process to where they just let the offseason play out, and now they're going to move forward with a clean slate. It'll be interesting to know how much juice McCagnan actually had in free agency and in the preparation for the draft. Because I remember when Charlie Casserly, who got McCagnan the job, was essentially let go by the Texans. They let him hang around after the season ended. He didn't have a lot of juice or really any juice in the draft that resulted in Mario Williams being number one overall. But the owner didn't want to look foolish for firing both Dom Capers and Charlie Castle at the same time. I mean, maybe Christopher Johnson was just thinking, let's have some lag here. Let's let this guy keep around and hold it together, but I'll make the decisions, or the new coach will help me make the big decisions, and Mike McCagney is just kind of here as an administrator more than anything else. I mean, maybe that'll come out at some point. I don't know. But this was coming, and it is a surprise because here we are three weeks after the draft almost. I think they put the brakes on it because word got out. I do. It like seems if word that hadn't way. gotten out, right. I think he would have been fired right after the draft. But, yes. But uh, it's almost like they didn't want to legitimize the reports by firing him right away. Because I, I said at the time, Chris, Christopher Johnson had needed to come out and say this is false if it's false. And he didn't, which I think tells us in hindsight everything we needed to know. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're spot on there. I, that's the same feeling I got, too. It's just like they didn't want to bow to the fact that the media had exposed something that was out there. You know, the big thing going forward is who's it going to be, you know, uh, as far as names that are out there. One name that I've heard connected to the situation is a guy from Philadelphia, Joe Douglas. That would be one name that I've heard that's uh, from a few different people 
people that might be high on the radar for the New York Jets. We'll see where it goes. But, Mike, to one overarching issue, and I think this is an NFL thing that bothers me right now, is the – and, you, you know, you talk about McCagnan and how he ended up with the Jets. Hey, everything I know – I mean, this is 100%, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. Mike McCagnan was going to be fired by the Houston Texans. He was on his way out the door. They were going to fire him. But in the new thing in the NFL, it's ownership likes to call up old has-been GMs who are not connected to the game anymore and have lost touch, and they go, help us find a guy for right now and and make the proper hiring. And in this case, the Jets asked Charlie Casserly. Charlie Casserly's friend was Mike McCagnon, and he gets hired. A lot like Ernie Acorsi with the, the Giants hiring his old friend, uh, Gettleman, you know, Dave Gettleman. So that, to me, is going on too much in the NFL right now, and it speaks to the overarching problem in the NFL. Of it's, very, it's become very political, the league, more political now than ever, and it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. That's become more important than actually being good at your job, and that's wrong, and that's why I think we see more idiots around the league than ever before. And, and uh, Chris Sims said all those things. Yes, me, I but did. I Chris Sims said it. Chris Sims, Chris Sims called Charlie Castley a washed-up has-been GM. But here's the thing, and, and this is human nature, and the owners need to understand this. When you hire a consultant to do the thing that you're not equipped to do on your own, you are inviting that person to hire a friend or a family member or a family member of a friend. Exactly. Because the person who makes the recommendation then has the ear of the person who gets the job. And if it's a friend who is going to feel indebted to you, that person's going to take your calls. That person's going to listen to what you have to say. So you're still in the game even when you're not in the game. And maybe it's Charlie Casserly that told Mike McCagnan to draft Christian Hackenberg. We'll never know the answer to that one, but we do know that it's an important reality for owners to keep in mind. You hire that consultant. You entrust that job to that consultant. The consultant's going to hire somebody who's going to listen to that consultant and let that consultant feel relevant Right. maybe years after the point where anyone should have been listening to that consultant. Is there anyone else we can piss off before we wrap this up? No, I think we did it all. We've almost hit all 32 teams, so good job. <laughs> Any Anything else you want to add? No, I think I think that's it. You know, uh, I, I think we really hit it all. I, I don't really look at any other thing that we haven't said. I got a few notes written down here. I feel like we hit them all, so good job by you, man. All right, hey, thanks for uh, hurrying up and getting to the studio quickly so I didn't have to wait here 10 minutes for you. I appreciate you. You mean you had to wait at home in your luxury house? I mean, oh, my gosh. Sorry, some of us are here at the office. let Let me explain to you how this works. When something like this happens, I end up writing 10 different stories about it. Waiting for you to get to the studio keeps me from doing that. I'm not sitting outside getting a suntan obviously. So I've got to get back to work. So you get to work, I'll get to work. And then if somebody else gets fired today, we'll come back and do this as long as the person who gets fired. No, no, I'm done. If anybody gets fired today, I've had enough of you. I'm waiting till tomorrow morning. I'm out of here. The hell with you. Later. (laughs) Everybody see us. We'll have more about this tomorrow morning on PFT Live. Everybody have a great Wednesday. See you, man.